Robert Smalls was an American politician, a businessman, a publisher, and a maritime pilot. But this man's life didn't start with a silver spoon in his mouth. This week, we look at the incredible, the inspirational story of Robert's life. Welcome to Cheeky Tales. Hey, Gambe. Welcome back. Yeah, good boy. Hey, boy. <laughs> Catching up on your messages there. Yeah, well, I did realise there was a couple of messages between you and Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about me. Were we? Well, you mentioned me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. How are you, boy? How are you? Yeah, pretty good. How have you been? Not well. Yeah, neither me neither. <laughs> We've been sick boys. <laughs> John and I went to a footy game that we just happened to be at together. Yeah. And um, not sitting next to each other. And- uh, and yeah, we both got sick and the two other people that we were with didn't. It was sitting so, on the outside of us, so yeah. <laughs> who knows where that's come from. But uh, yeah, we were down with the sickness for a week, weren't we? <laughs> oh, uh, we were alternating days of off work yeah. and feeling yeah. terrible and whatever. Oh dear. Pretty gross. But, but feeling a lot better now. Yes. Yes, me too. Um, probably my voice is probably still a little bit different from it. My, I tend to go, real, my voice goes real deep when I'm crook. Yep. And mine tends to go very snotty. Yeah. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're both well yeah. and can speak. I look forward to editing tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. But yeah, this week we're talking about Robert Smalls. Now, yep. I know you've heard of him because I've mentioned him before. Bobby Biggs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm like, what? <laughs> Worked out his nickname for this episode. Um, yeah, I've seen a little bit about this guy. Yeah. I, again, in the same way that I saw... Um, the, who's my Civil War guy? Dan Sickles. Yeah. The, the, when I saw Dan Sickles, it was just like a meme that someone posted. Yeah. I've seen a meme of Bobby Smalls. I mean, Bobby Biggs. So, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I'm excited for this one because yeah. you've told me a little bit. And it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had some crazy stories the last couple uh, episodes. Some wild ones. Uh, I've gone for more of a feel good story this week. By the way, we did, nice story. we did intend to follow through on our promise to test mead on the episode. I was about to ask, I was going to say, have you got, are you going to bring out, is there a special reveal on the mead? Uh, yeah, it's next time. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I went to Dan Murphy's and just totally, I mean, does anyone know what Dan Murphy's is? Uh, whatever. Yeah, I went to Dan Murphy's. Michael Bottle Shop. Yeah, so I, I went to Dan Murphy's to buy it and- uh, just totally forgot. Bought other stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. You just said- <laughs> no, I was there. <laughs> oh, I mean, so, I went in and I was like, all right, I'm going to get myself this very specific beer that I love. Yeah. And I'm going to get Brie some ginger beer that she loves. And I walked in and I was like, I'd also like a bottle of wine. So, like, I bought myself a bottle of wine. I'm, I'm walking- You went there for the mead, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I walked in, I bought the- I grabbed the beer, I grabbed the wine, and then I went over to where the ginger beers are and I'm like- Oh, it's a it's a two for sale, and like it's a good two for sale. So oh, I'm gonna have to buy two of these. And so then I'm standing there with things in my hands already, trying to get these bo- like boxes out of the fridge. I look like an idiot, and then I'm carrying this thing like, yeah, good times. <laughs> but you- no, I forgot the meat. So next time, <laughs> but that, you went there for it, and just yes. end up getting other stuff. I did. I did forget the thing that initially triggered me going <laughs> to the the bottle. Oh, yes. All right, I'll uh, admit that. Okay, no, fair enough. That's all right. <laughs> I'll look forward to uh, next recording. <laughs> yeah. You know, it comes under wine. Well, I mean, what else are they going to put it under? I don't know. I like. I, I would have thought spirit. I but- went to a different um, bottle shop today and uh, they didn't have it there. I'm looking up on their website. I'm like, oh, it's, it comes under a, a wine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I'm not 
Mead all facts. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. have mead facts all the way up until we actually get to taste mead it. cast. <laughs> right. So yeah, I don't think they were um, drinking mead at this time. No, probably not. No beer. Um, we've had a bit of a theme too with our podcast, haven't we? What What are our running themes that we like consistent through our episodes? Here? Oh, World War Two boats. Yep. Uh, exploration boats. World War Two. Yeah. Civil War. <laughs> We're hitting a civvy again. Right, yeah. So this is another biography type story of someone's life. We've had a few of those. We've um, gone to the fridge. It's- we've grabbed a six pack. We've cracked one of the civvies off and we're cracking open the civvy again. Yeah, this one around, set around the Civil War uh, involves a ship. So we're kind of rolling, hey. we're rolling all those kind of themes hitting together. Hitting our key markets. Yep. Yeah. All right, so our, our tale begins on April 5th, 1839. All right. With Lydia Polite. Okay. Slave- Lydia Polite. Yes. What a lovely name. Yep. A, a slave woman. Okay. Giving birth to Robert Smalls in a cabin behind the home of her master, Bobby John McKee. Bobby Biggs. Are you making a joke or did you hear what I said? Uh, Bobby Biggs was born in yep. something. Okay. Some place, somewhere <laughs> a, with a master. In a cabin behind their master's house. Oh, there you go. Yep. Um, you know what I remembered we forgot to do last episode? What? I forgot to do a pun. Yeah. I just did too. Uh, fire that. Story cannon at me, boy. Break me leg and I'll put it on display in a museum in Pennsylvania or something, wherever it was. It's a reference to my story. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I'm just having a complete blank on the story you did last time. Dan Sickles. No, last episode. Oh, um, Saint. Saint That's right. Yeah. All right. That was a good pun. Really, really side splitting comedy there, boy. Oh, that was good. Thank you. There's some speculation that McKee was Robert's father, but that hasn't been confirmed. Uh, I guess for now, we don't know who the father was. So there's, right. there was some- So we got Lydia Polite. Yes. We just know- That's all we know. That's mum. Robert grew up in Beaufort, South Cal- uh, Carolina. Not California, South Carolina. Yep. And his mother lived as a servant in McKee's house. Robert was favoured over the other enslaved people, and his mother was worried he would grow up not understanding the plight of the enslaved people and asked if he could be made to work in the fields. <laughs> And to witness whippings. Wow, okay. Mum um, of the year. Yeah. Well, I think my son's got it too good. <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah, I can't uh, relate <laughs> to this time. Um, I, I guess I understand where she's coming from, you know, like if he's having it too good. I, I, I guess that's You my- do often send your children to the fields. Yeah. <laughs> to witness whippings. <laughs> I guess that's which, also- Which, you know, I thought was pretty weird at first, but maybe I'm the weird one. They're going to witness the hardships. <laughs> Uh, no, I guess it's um, that might have added to the speculation that McKee was Robert's father, like how well he was, yeah. he was treated. Yeah. After seeing the brutality of slavery, Robert grew defiant and found himself in Buford Jail quite often. Oh, yeah, that worked out well, didn't it, Mum? Yeah. His mother was concerned for his safety, so when he turned 12... Oh, my boy got into the wrong crowd. How did this happen? Idiot. You, I'm going to send you with your aunt and uncle to live in yeah. Bel Air. <laughs> Sean... Sean literally referenced that earlier when I talked to him. Oh, really? What's the chances of that? Uh, Slap that out of your mouth. <laughs> so when he turned 12, she arranged with Robert's master to send him to Charleston, where McKee also owned a house. He, here, he first worked in a hotel, then became a lamplighter, a stevedore foreman, a sailmaker, a rigger, and a sailor. Okay. That's a lot of jobs. Yes. Do you know what all of those jobs were? Nope. Okay. Which one didn't you know? I mean, you're going to have to say them all again. Okay. So he first worked in a hotel. All right. I don't know what they are. Became a lamplighter. 
Not sure I get that one. You want to have a shot in the dark? No, I know what it is. It's the <laughs> they walk around just at nightfall, like lighting all the lamps. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. strange. That job does not exist anymore. No, um, do you reckon that people were like pissed when automatic lamps came out? Oh yeah, <laughs> like oi! The same way people are pissed at like robots in Amazon's warehouse. They're taking all our jobs. Yeah, like it's no, taking our jobs away. You'll find another job. <laughs> you'll um, be right. Oh, I just, when I was writing it down, I said to Kirsty, I was just like, oh, could you imagine if that was your job now? Just walking like, around lighting things. Like, it's starting to get dark and you're like, all right, honey, I'm off to work. I'll be back in a couple of hours. Like, and you just walk around just- Flicking light switches on poles. You'd have to do it in your local area, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Know, there's no point driving no. half hour. Yeah. You, it would only be in a very specific yeah, area. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's strange. It's weird to think of. I'd take a hundred bucks every day if I walked around and just flicked on all the lights. Around, around you. Yeah. How many lights do you reckon are in this neighborhood? Uh, yeah. Surely like 50. And you, you reckon now they're just flicking the switch on, not yeah. actually like lighting them, like yeah. the gas ones or anything? Yeah. Okay. I'd do that. Well, there you go, uh, local council, if you're listening. Yeah. I'm your man. <laughs> uh, a Steve Dorr Foreman. Steve Dorr Foreman. Yes. So not a Steve Foreman. No. Or a George Foreman. No. Okay. What's that? Uh, pretty much he just- it was like uh, dock workers loading and cargo oh, okay. and stuff on, on the ships what and stuff. Stupid name, but all right. That, yeah, I left it in there just, just for this conversation for you, boy. <laughs> uh, a rigger. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, and a sailor. Yeah. What about people who don't know what a rigger is? Do you want to explain that no. for us? Okay, moving on. It was through these jobs <laughs> Robert found the love of the sea. Uh, through, uh, though these jobs, through, through these jobs, he eventually worked his way up to helmsman. Those slaves weren't permitted that title. So, okay. Yeah. Just quickly, like, yeah. why does it seem like people or find this, like, love of the sea very quickly? I've been on boats. I'm never like, I love this. Like, yeah. How many times have you been on a boat, though? I don't know. A few. Like, consistently, though. It's long periods of time in True. between, isn't it? True. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, go on. You get it, You get it, boy. There's, there's the smell and the wind and it, there, there is a love affair you can fall in love with the sea. I like the smell. The, the wind? No, thank you. Not Did I tell you about the boat not we took? howling wind, but- The day that we went snorkeling at the Whitsundays, go out and see your, your country people. Um, it was like, it was hosing down rain mm. and it was very uncomfortable on the boat. And Sean and I were like, let's sit on the pontoons because that'll be fun, which it was. But <laughs> because it was hosing down rain- Plover coming through in the background. Oh, love it. And it was like windy. There was just all this salt water getting sprayed into my eyeballs the whole time. So just the whole, stinging. for like 20 minutes, I'm on the side of this boat, just like, <laughs> my eyes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Robert also became an expert at navigating the South Carolina and Georgia coasts. Sure. So when I say he had all those jobs, uh, he was still a slave, earning $15 a month to which he would send to his master. And he was allowed to keep $1 of it. To buy candy and tobacco. Okay. Uh-huh. All the essentials. Right. Which he then sold on the docks for a profit. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. Bit of, a, bit of entrepreneurship yep. already. That's intelligent. At the age of 17, Robert married an enslaved hotel maid, Hannah Jones, on Christmas Eve, 1856. How lovely. She was five years older than him and already had two children. Oh, cradle snatcher. <laughs> they had their own first child two <laughs> years later. Robert aimed to buy himself and his family's freedom, but Hannah's master had set a steep price, $800 dues. I should not blow directly into the microphone. <laughs> you, you of all people should know that. 
Yeah, it's hard to whistle on yeah. demand, isn't it? I'm still blowing on the mic. Anyway, just imagine I whistled. <laughs> so uh, in today's money, uh, it's equivalent to about $24,500. That's a fair bit of money. Mm. That's more money. <laughs> he had <laughs> saved about $100. So $800 may have taken quite a while. Uh, so he started devising another plan to obtain freedom for him and his family. Bank robbery. Possibly. Okay. Just over 21 years to the day of Robert's birth, April uh, in April of 1861, the American Civil War broke out. Cool. So good opportunity to die. Yeah. I, well, yes. I did a little yeah. bit of reading uh, into this and um, I don't really know too much about it, uh, but there's some interesting stuff like- In the Civil War. In the Civil War, yeah. Yeah. It's only one of the most written about things ever. Oh, there's some mind-blowing <laughs> statistics as well. So like yeah. the, the estimated death toll- for like Americans is a six hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah, isn't it bonkers? Soldiers. Yeah, yeah. And another another thing I heard is that. And like, hang on, before you go on, and that is equal to the amount of deaths in World War One, Two, and Vietnam for Americans. For Americans, yeah, that's just. I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think it's a civil war. Yeah, well, they're fighting both each other. sides. Yeah, of them, yeah, yeah. yeah both sides are American. Yeah, but still. And that was like that was the era where you would just stand in a line and face each other and shoot, shoot. Yeah. I think actually most of the uh, deaths were from disease. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a yeah. just disease getting picked up from the battlefields riddled with corpses and stuff like yeah. that. Um, one thing I heard about the Civil War was that people would frequently just like come out and watch the battles. So people would come out with like picnic baskets and sit on an adjacent hill and like watch the Battle of Gettysburg. Like, <laughs> like what? Yeah. So people would just come out and be like, come on, kids, let's go watch the war. Yay! And then they'd go and just sit and watch people just shooting each other all day and then go home. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, well, time travel's ever invented. You know you can go back to, like, the Civil War. And no one's going to think less of you. Or the War of Independence and just chill on the sidelines. Yep. Crazy. Hopefully you don't get conscripted while you're there, though. Hang on, no, I'm not American. Yeah, I'm Australian. What? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) remember how I said Robert was a helmsman? Yep. Yeah, the ship- well, the ship he was on, the planter. The, yeah, the planter. Not the plantation. No, the, the planter. planter. No, the planter okay. and all its crew was absorbed into the Confederacy. Okay. It was used as a military transport ship. The planter would transport troops, equipment, and supplies. It mapped waterways and would also lay down mines. Earlier in the war, the Union used its very large naval force to blockade the southern states. And during the planter's uh, duties, Robert could see the blockade about 11 kilometres away. His years of exemplary service at the Charleston Harbour and on the planter meant that he had earned the trust of his white Confederate superiors. They let him pilot the planter and left the ship in his hands when in port, but Robert now began to devise his plan to escape. He discussed this matter with all the other enslaved crew except one who he didn't trust. Okay. So I believe there was eight, including Robert, there was eight slave crew and yep. three White. They're so going overboard. <laughs> See ya. Uh, and yeah, so uh, the Union, the um, United States, they set up the blockade out on the- Yeah. So the, yeah, this is all taking place in like that. I had to look it up, the coast. There's like a a bay area with this river and it right. heads out into the Atlantic Ocean. So okay. all the Union Navy ships are all set out up there. They're stopping trade going yeah, through right. and stuff like that. This is, and this is actually where the Civil War started. Have you read how the Civil War started? Not really. So, 
in this Bay Area, there's a fort, Fort Sumter. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much the Confederacy rocked in, took it over, shooed the US Army out. Right. And uh, then it was, let's, so, yeah. let's go war now. Yeah, no shots were fired, but that's pretty much how it started. Yeah. Make war now. So in order to pull off Robert's plan, uh, he had to learn a few things, mainly the signals that the captain of the planter would make to the numerous forts along the harbour. Juggling, got it. And once he was ready, they put the plan into action. This would be incredibly dangerous. I just love the contrast. I'm like, this is really dangerous. And you're just... (laughs) If they were caught, Robert and all the men would surely be shot. Yes. And the women who Robert had planned to take like taking the families of not only his family, but his fellow slaves would be severely punished and possibly even sold to different owners. Mm. It was even very Danish, dangerous. Very Danish. Very, yep, Danish. It was mm. even very dangerous to even just be talking about escaping. Yeah. It was only a few weeks earlier that a group of 15 slaves seized a barge from the waterfront and rowed to the Union blockade. Once the barge was found to be missing, the Confederates were furious and embarrassed by being outsmarted by slaves. But of course, they didn't take any extra precautions in securing vessels at the wharf. Man, this thing that happened, that's very upsetting. What are we going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. nothing. (laughs) Pretty much. It will not happen again. Why? It just won't, all right? They're not smart enough to do something like that again. That's literally what they were last time. Shut up. (laughs) So what was the plan? Jump on board and go full steam out of the harbour and make for the blockade? Yes. No. As I said, there were numerous forts and gun batteries lining the harbour and they would have to be blown, and, and, and they would, not have to, and they would be blown out of the water very quickly. Mm. Instead, Robert opted for a more cunning plan. He would impersonate the cap, the captain. Uh, I think his name was Captain, it's hard to pronounce, Relia. Okay. Relia. Relia. R-E-L-Y-E-A. R-E-L-Y-E-A. Rel, relia. R-E-L. Yes. Rel, yeah! <laughs> Sunglasses. <laughs> the CSI thing. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that show. More specifically, I miss the openings of that yeah. show. Oh, so, so yeah, good. he would impersonate the captain and act as nothing was different from a routine mission. On May 12th, 1862, just over a year after the war had started, yep. the planter travelled 16 kilometres southwest of Charleston to Coal Island. There was a Confederate post being dismantled and the ship picked up four large guns, 91 kilograms of ammo and 73 cubic metres of firewood, then proceeded to travel back to its regular dock at the wharf. The three white officers disembarked the ship, either to attend a Confederate party or spend the night with their wives, leaving Smalls and the crew in charge of the ship, as they would on a regular basis. Yep. Not. Doesn't that seem weird for the Confederacy? Just, yeah. Like, to just leave a ship? Full of non-white people. Yeah. Like, uh, that just seems weird for the Confederacy. Like I said, Robert was- As, On a very basic level, if you don't understand the Civil War, the Confederacy was pro-racism and the United slavery, States- yeah, pro Sorry, yeah, pro-racism. Pro-slavery. And the Northern States, the, the Union, were not. They were fighting for abolishment, um, among other things, obviously, but on a very basic level- Yeah. It just seems so strange for the Confederates to be like, hey, all you black enslaved people that we hate, you'll be right, and then just leave. Like well, like I said earlier, Robert was very good at his job that he was doing and yeah. over there. I'm sure they knew he was competent, but to leave him, it just, that just seems weird for the time. But anyway, 
As the captain was leaving, Robert asked if the crew's families could visit. The captain allowed uh, allowed them on one condition, that they departed before curfew. When they arrived on board, the men revealed the plan to them. Robert's wife knew he wanted to escape, but didn't really think he had a plan, nor was he actually going to do it. She is quoted in saying, It is a risk, dear, but you and I and our little ones must be free. I will go, for where you die, I will die. Uh-huh. It's a bit of Isidore and the other one, Strauss, from the Titanic. Yes. The old couple that died together. Yes. Isidore and what was her name? Oh, that's sad that I can't remember. Anyway. The other women weren't so brave. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and the men had a hard time keeping them quiet. <laughs> At some point, the th- uh, three crew members pretended to escort the family members back home, but they circled around and hit aboard another steamer docked at the North Atlantic Wharf. Okay. So they're just chilling out there. Yeah. Waiting. Because this is the night, May 13th, about three in the morning. Yep. Robert put on the captain's uniform, a straw hat similar to what the captain wore, and even slipped on a pair of white gloves, and they were off. The they white were- gloves is a nice touch. Yeah. Well, you'll see why in a second. There was a guard and a policeman only about 50 metres away and they noticed the ship was leaving and assumed it was under the command of its regular officers. Yeah. So they did nothing about it. They saw it and went, that's all above board. I see nothing wrong here. Yep. Proceed. First stop was the North Atlantic Wharf where Robert's family and the others were waiting. There were no issues docking and now they were all together. Now, I keep saying there was no issues uh, and I'm going to bring this up later when they dock again. Robert was a very excellent pilot of the ship. Yeah. He was extremely good. Um, so when I say like no issues, like they just pulled up, just like nothing was the problem. Yeah. Got him on. Roped on. And then, you See know, you chuffed yeah. off. Chuffed off. Chuffed off. Well, it's a steamer. Chuffed off. It's a steam, chuffed it's a steam chuffed paddler. Chuffed you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I understand. Like the, the big smokes back with the big yeah, paddle yeah. on the back of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's one called the, uh, the Kookaburra Queen in, in yeah. Brisbane. Yes, there is. Yeah. I haven't seen it for a long time though. Uh and now, like I said, now they're all together, 16 people on board in total. Now they're off towards the blockade, passing five Confederate harbour forts, each time Robert giving the correct hand signals, even going so far as to mimic Captain Rayla's mannerisms. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just here doing like obscene hand gestures. Yeah. Just like that's what they were using. But that, hence the white gloves, like he yeah. had to give hand signals yeah, back yeah, yeah. And to the fort. Yeah. Hence the white gloves. I understood the glove. Yeah. Yeah. I do I do love the idea that they're like, what's the symbol? Yeah. It's given. <laughs> the given secret it. symbol. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to describe it. But yeah. <laughs> or it's just sharkers or something. Sharkers. Like, sharkers. Rock like, on. Yeah. You're, gone. You're good. Um, it was also said that one of the, you know, as they went past one of these areas, like the-, the <laughs> I wish Adam was here. It's an for this. audio podcast, boy. I know, I know. I wish Adam was here for this because I think he would love that. <laughs> Just, anyway, yeah. Um, one of the like placements was like, oh, blow them Yankees out of the water or something like that. And um, even though I'm, I'm sure Robert would have liked to said something else. Yeah. Uh, he just went, aye, aye, and kept going. But yeah, he was. <laughs> yes, get- screw those slaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd even uh, go as far as apparently like, Mimicking the captain's walk along yep, that's smart. the boat and stuff like that. Now This at, is the real caper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is a bit of planning. Yeah. Now at 4.30 a.m., the planter approached Fort Sumter, which is the one I mentioned yep. before. Yeah. The place where the Civil War actually began. It was a massive fort, 50-metre tall walls towering over the water. It had the most guns of all the forts, 
and was set to be manned by the most suspicious soldiers. Yeah. The people on board were terrified. The men's knee, all the men's knees gave way. They were like buckling under. Yeah, like that wouldn't have looked suspicious. No. Oh, I'm sure they're inside. Like, Why do all the men on that boat keep falling over? Well, they're inside. They're out of view. Yeah, righto. Um, all except Roberts, of course. Yeah. The women began crying again uh, and praying. And as they got closer, the men begged Robert to give it a wide berth. But Robert refused, saying such behaviour would most, almost certainly arouse suspicion. He continued the paddle steamer along as if they were in no hurry, just enjoying the morning air. When the fort flashed a challenge signal, Robert returned the correct sign. There was no immediate response. A long pause. Robert expected cannon fire to shred the planter. I did read that, um, like, their plan was escape or die. Yeah. They didn't want to... Uh, they didn't want to get captured. They didn't want to get captured. So, yeah. freedom or death. Uh, and I believe they actually, in parts or in most parts, had lined the whole of the planter with explosives. Okay. So, if they were to get shot like cannonball, <laughs> Goodbye, family. Yeah. Just gone. Wow. Okay. I bet they didn't explain that part when they were back at the no, prob- <laughs> You're probably right. By the way, we've lined the ship. No. What don't are, know. What are, what are all these boxes against the uh, It's just extra armour. Plating. Eggs. <laughs> eggs. Full of eggs. We're going to make scrambled eggs. You want a couple eggs? Anyway, after a while, the fort signaled back that all was well and Robert and the planters- Why did they take so long? Sailed out of the harbour. Didn't say. They just- <laughs> Okay. They had they had uh, they just- a couple of apprentices on that morning and they were like, oh, he's give- is that the right- Let- oh, Let's go check with the- Is that the right signal? Yeah, Pause I think that's the right- for dramatic effect, <laughs> yeah. boys. They had a couple of dramatic people. <laughs> Oh, they, they probably it, remember it's four thirty in the morning. They probably had the um the least favorite like, yeah. soldiers on guard, and they were just like, uh, yeah, probably uh, sleepy or whatever. Yeah. yeah, gave the two handy instead of the one. <laughs> Hang on a minute, is that allowed? Yep. Wow, boy. <laughs> okay. Instead of turning east to head towards Morris Island, the ship in, instead headed straight for the Union fleet. Only now the alarm was raised by the Confederates, but it was too late. The planter was out of range, but they weren't out of danger yet. Remember, it's early morning. The sun was just about to rise and fog had settled over the harbour. Here was this Confederate ship steaming her way straight towards the Union blockade, in particular the USS Onward, and they were readying their guns. The planter's crew scrambled to lower the two Confederate flags and Robert's wife, Hannah, raised a white bedsheet. Even still, through the fog and the darkness of the early morning, it was difficult to see, but the sunrise arrived and the white flag was able to be viewed. Yeah, nice. So they almost got blown out of the water by Yeah, I did wonder how how were the Union going to accept this ship. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Take the flags down, chuck a whitey up, off you go. Yep. Yeah, no- um, What's wrong with a whitey? Just the whitey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. know what you yeah. said now. Yeah. <laughs> I meant a white sheet, whatever. White flag. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it was said like they had the guns elevated and yeah. ready just to, yeah. to go let's, and someone's like- them. There's something, hang on, there's something weird about, there's, they called them contrabands, like the union, like there's a bunch of contrabands on board. Yeah. Um, referring to slave people. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why they called them contrabands. Um, Probably a um, code thing. Possibly. It was now when it was obvious that the USS Onward wouldn't fire them. Fire on them. It was now 
when it was obvious that the USS wouldn't fire on them, everyone rushed out on the planter's deck and they started dancing, singing, whistling, jumping, and some even turned back to Fort Sumner and cursed at it. If <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Cop one of these. <laughs> hey, he's doing the signal. <laughs> <laughs> The two ships came alongside each other and the onwards captain, John Nichols, boarded the planter and Robert spoke to the man saying, Good morning, sir. I've brought you some of the old United States guns, sir, that were for Fort Sumner, sir. He would also ask for a United States flag to be displayed on the planter. So those guns that they picked up from that old fort, they were like these massive artillery cannons that they were- Yeah. So not only did they deliver the ship, they delivered all that firewood, all that ammunition and these four massive guns. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Robert would also be able to provide invaluable information on the Confederate defences and the nearby fortifications on Coal Island were being, like the part of the information was the nearby fortifications on Coal Island were being abandoned, which led to this island being captured without a fight on May 20. Nice. So he's not only delivering materials, he's delivering information. Robert had just turned 23 and quickly became a hero in the North. Yeah. Magazines, newspapers, they all ran the story of his daring escape. A bill in the US Congress passed which granted Robert and his crew prize money for the planter. His share was about 1,500 US dollars. Very nice. Yeah. The Confederacy also placed a bounty on Robert's head for Mm. $4,000. There's some conjecture later later on that the uh, US greatly undervalued the planter. Um, Yeah. And they reckon that with the guns and the ship itself, yeah, uh, should have been valued at about sixty thousand dollars. But they valued it eight thousand. No, what did I say? Four thousand. No, eight thousand. It was eight thousand dollars prize money split up, split yeah. up and his share was fifteen hundred. So yeah, they reckon yeah he should have got at least the total. The total value of the ship should have been about sixty thousand. Yeah, jeez, that's a lot of money. Even yeah, like yeah. back then, even now, like, yeah. So Robert travelled to Washington and met with President Abraham Lincoln, where he helped to persuade Lincoln to permit black men to serve in the Union Army. Soon after the meeting, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton ordered 5,000 former slaves to fight for the Union. He would then return and continue contributing to the Union in many ways. By his own account, he was present at 17 major battles and engagements during the Civil War. Yeah, wow. Okay. So he came out and he's like, all right, let's do this thing. He, He went and met the President. Yeah. Old Honest Abe. Honest Abe. What's his name? Uh, Bobby Abraham. Bobby Biggs and Honest Abe. Bobby Biggs and ABL. So, yeah, they'll be dropping an album sometime soon. <laughs> um, Not a very good rap name, is it? Honest Abe. I reckon it'd be all right, wouldn't it? Nah. Okay. I mean, you think of some of like the good rap names, like Biggie Smalls, Ice T, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. Honest Abe. Yeah, it works. Not really. <laughs> it's up there with Lil Dicky. Oh, what's wrong with Lil Dicky? Nothing, but not a great rap name. <laughs> <laughs> Lil Dicky. Like, <laughs> so good. All right, no, I changed my mind. Lil Dicky's hilarious. Yeah. <sighs> One such engagement was on December 1st, 1863. Robert was piloting the planter under Captain James Nicholson on Folly Island Creek when Confederate batteries at Successionville opened fire. Nixon fled the pilot house for the coal bunker. We were a good captain there. See ya. <laughs> Robert refused to surrender, fearing that the black crewmen would not be treated as prisoners of war and might instantly be killed. 
So instead, Robert entered the pilot house and took command of the boat and piloted it to safety. For this, he was promoted to the rank of captain and made acting captain of the planter. Yep, good on him. There's some still strange things about um, black people and titles, even in the union. Like, yeah. Um, certain. There was a bunch of stuff in there um, where he was made captain, but he wasn't a commissioned officer. Yeah. So there was like payment issues and stuff like that. Yeah, not there happening. was still some stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert also did a lot of things outside of the war. Uh, there's this one story during the Civil War. He was on. He was in Philadelphia as the planter was being repaired and refitted. He was asked to give up his seat on a streetcar to a white person. Rather than doing so, he left the car. This caused public uproar because Robert was a well-known war hero and he'd been humiliated. Yeah. The uproar led to Pennsylvania State to law to a law change where white and black people could use public transport together. Yeah. So you know that what a streetcar is like pretty much just a tram. Yeah, it's a tram. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So his defiance in that area, yeah, led to because I think they had like a Rosa Parks. Yeah, they had like yeah. black streetcars and white streetcars. That's so weird that even in like it just goes to show that like it wasn't anti-racism; it was anti-slavery. Yeah, like you know you can have your freedoms but not all of them no nah, but it, it led to like the whole state changing its law saying yeah. no this is it was like there's like it was like the integrated public transport act of yeah what was it 1863 or something like that yeah uh, so yeah he pretty much started that off after the war he returned home to Buford and used his earnings to purchase the McKees plantation the McKees were in financial ruins after the war after the war like yeah. taxes and stuff like that and it was said that Robert was very generous to them when purchasing the property also, his former owner's wife arrived at his home suffering from dementia. She was convinced she still lived there. Robert took her in, let her stay, even gave her her old room and tended to her until her death. Oh, he's top, a good guy. Top bloke. Yeah. like, like Good it, guy. Good guy, Bobby. Kind of just skimmed over it, but he bought the house that he yeah. was a slave at. Like, yeah. That's pretty dope, it's isn't baller, it? It's baller, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, this is mine now. Yeah. Robert embarked on business ventures, opening a store and a school for black children in 1867. He also published a newspaper, the Buford Southern Standard, starting in 1872. His impressive impressive resume opened doors into South Carolina politics. Okay. So he started some businesses, did some schools. Yeah. uh, And all that. Again, he just excelled in everything he did. It opened uh, the door to politics, where he became a delegate to the 1868 South Carolina Constitutional Convention. Nice. Good job, Bobby. I had to look that up. It was just like a convention where they all talked about like had like what like it's commit, politics. Like, yeah, politics. Yeah. I don't go into too much detail in these areas because yeah. it's politics. Yes. Um, but he pretty much was helping change like not so much laws, but like putting in places all these things to help. He was very focused on Maybe she would have gone a bit deeper into it. <laughs> black like black people and black like yeah. helping them out, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Civil rights, whatever. Oh, there was a lot in the politics. I didn't want to go too deep. (laughs) Yeah. Later that year, he won his first elective office, a term in the State House of Representatives, which he held from 1870 to 1874. That was the actual state Senate. Yeah. From there, he was elected to the US State's House of Representatives. He served two terms, 1875 to 1879 and 1882 to 1883. Uh, And again... Uh, in 1884 to 1887. Now, I said too, I know there's three lots of dates in there because there was some issues. Uh, okay. Throughout his pl- political career, he faced adversaries. 
including death threats. And he was actually charged and convicted at some point uh, with taking a $5,000 bribe, to which he denied. Um, And like I said, he was convicted, but the charges were later dropped. Uh, He was convicted and then they were dropped later. Yeah, because it was involved in a deal. Right. Like they dropped those charges and then he dropped something he was pushing forward in a different area because he's gone back into politics in the South. Yeah. So they were still trying to put in their old Confederate thinking. Yeah. You know, so his charges were dropped. He dropped something. Politics, man. Like just- In the late 1890s, he began to suffer from diabetes. Uh, He also turned down an offer of colonelcy. Colonel. Colonelcy? Colonelcy. Is that it? Yeah, colonelcy. Yeah. He turned down an offer of colonelcy uh, of a black regiment in the Spanish-American War and an appointment to the position of minister to Libya. Yep. Liberia, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah. Actually, that's two different places, isn't it? Liberia and Libya? It's it's Libya. Okay. So he got- Where did you get Liberia oh, from? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of spelt that way. L-I-B-E-R-I-A. Liberia. Actually, Libya. somebody at work started listening to our podcast the other day and um, <clears throat> he was very upset. Oh, okay. What, what did we say wrong? Not we. Uh, Anne Boleyn, not Anne Boylan in the Henry Eighth episode. What? You said Han- Anne Boylan, Anne Boleyn. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, who cares? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, Micah cares. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Micah cared a lot. <laughs> Official retractment after the podcast for Anne Boleyn. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, he got uh, offered a couple of very high and honourable roles in the US government, uh, like, to which he- No, thanks. Declined. Yeah. So, Robert died of malaria and diabetes on oh, February 23, 1915. What a combo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there wasn't much else. Like he, he, he went through like the United States House of Representatives. So yep. if you're in our country, he's like federal polit- politics. Yeah. He had a massive stint in there shaping the laws of the United States for, you know, like from 1875 till 1887. So that's yeah, like wow. you know, 12 years. Yeah. This black man who was a slave mm. was in- Getting his getting his thought on. Yeah. Federal politics, shaping yeah. laws, making it better for- uh, pretty much black people were yeah. everywhere, not just in the South. So, yeah, he died uh, in 1915 at the age of 75. He was buried in his family's plot in the churchyard of the Tabernacle Baptist Church in downtown Buford. The monument in uh, the monument to Robert in this churchyard is inscribed with a statement he made to the South Carolina legislar. Legisla- I don't know why I can't say that word. Legislature. Legislature. No, that's not even right either. <laughs> You know what we're talking about. (laughs) Somebody who's listening will get upset with us. In 1895, and this is what it said, my race needs no special defense for the past history of them in this country proves them to be the equal of of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. Good stuff. That's a pretty good statement. I I love that. That's good stuff. That's very good. Robert Smalls had many things named after him, including a fort, a couple of schools, a section of highway, and even a U.S. naval ship. His house has been designated a National Historic Landmark. And to finish off, in in, uh, 2019, Amazon announced it was developing developing a biopic. A biopic? Biopic. Biopic. It's a biopic. Sure. Tomato, tomato. Based on Robert's life. Uh, That's cool. I want to see that. I believe the working title is Steal Away. Yeah, nice. I want to see that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I actually thought it was meant to be coming out this time uh, this year, um, yeah. but I think COVID may have- Delayed it. Yeah. Delayed it. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting story because that's where I found this story. It was like a meme of like, you know, we've got all these movies and this man did all these things. Doesn't have a movie. Doesn't have a movie. Yeah. Get um, him. Get that man a biopic. Get him a biopic. Get him a bionic man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the story of Robert Smalls, um, a, a man born into slavery- yeah. Took matter into his own hands and ended up making little yeah. laws for the country that yeah. enslaved him. Like just and buying his old slave house. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Just absolute baller. Yeah. Just rocking in, just I just what a caper too. Like what a caper to oh, get that ship. Yeah. Like and here's like- how we're gonna do it. We're gonna fill the gonna fill the hull with eggs. Wink. <laughs> and then <laughs> and we're gonna steal all this stuff. We're gonna get our families, we're gonna get him on there. They're not gonna love it, but they'll do it. And then we'll get past five forts and let's go. Yeah, it's bloody awesome. Honestly, yeah. like um, the I'll tell ball, you what, I'm not doing that. The balls to do it, like he had to, like I said, he had to memorize all the hand singles. Yeah. Like he he did it over that year. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, not only did he deliver the actual ship, which was invaluable to the um the union, because all their naval ships were like massive three mask yeah like, boats. The harbor that they were in was. It's shallow. Yeah. And the planter was a shallow So they need something hole, like that, yeah. So they could go in. Um, not only did they- He delivered the actual physical ship. Ship. Um, delivered the cargo. The cargo, the information. Yeah. Where the defences were, where they did this. He was able yep. to tell them where all the mines were, to make maps of the waterways. Like, Yeah. That's impressive stuff. Um, it was quoted in there. There was someone, I think it was like one of the high ranking generals in the US Army. It was like- this is one of the most intelligent men he'd ever met type of thing. Like, Yeah. And again, at that time, like you said, they weren't anti-racism. Like that's, yeah. that's big praise coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just an incredible man. We've got some pictures. We'll chuck some pictures up on the social medias. Chuck up a picky or two. Um, I think there's a picture of the planter. Um, there's obviously a, a portrait of Robert Smalls himself, Bobby Biggs. Bobby Biggs. He loved nicknaming. I do. The, the people I, that we have As soon as I hear their name, I want to give them a nickname. Yeah. Bobby Biggs. <laughs> All right. Well, good story, boy. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Like I said, I wanted to go more of a feel good one. Like this man just- Yeah. Just, he's just incredible. Like I'm, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Not inspired. Like- um, <laughs> No inspiration <laughs> no, found here. No. Um, <laughs> I, like- He's, it, it is an inspirational story, but he's just um, awe-inspiring, like uh, in reverence. I'm in reverence of this man, like yeah. for what he did. Uh, he could have easily yeah. just taken his wife and kids and- See ya. See ya. But but no, he he got his different. crew as well. Yep. His crew's and family. And then he decided to turn his life to bettering everyone. Yeah. 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 Like he's, yeah. yeah. Like you said, you brought up the thing where he was getting put in jail because he was like, this crap, these people don't deserve this. And then he, yeah, he embedded in yeah. everyone's life. Like incredible man. Yeah, good stuff. Can't wait for the movie. Uh, I yeah. hope, hope it actually gets made and doesn't get cancelled. I will see that, and that is rare. <laughs> we we might be able to do a uh, a watch along. Yeah, with the, with the podcast, we can do a watch along. Yeah, mm. just have, set up the mics, watch the movie, and then you do the same. Yeah, we'll count you in to when you press play. Uno dos tres. Now, <laughs> go go down. <laughs> um, yeah, good good stuff. I like that. I will obviously have next week. I mean, next fortnight. Um, don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'll do mystery some sort. Maybe you, you said you got an idea. I got an idea. Yeah, very good. Yeah, but um, we'll see. 
Um, yeah, so thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Um, you could really help us out by sharing us with a friend. Um, if you've got a friend who likes this kind of story. If you would like to join the conversation about this podcast, please jump on our social medias at Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Did we did we actually get any comments last time we asked for comments? I didn't see too many nah. come across. Nah. Okay. Got let down. But that's fine. <laughs> we'll find new fans. <laughs> No, like, uh, honestly, if you want to uh, leave a comment, uh, let us know. Uh, we did get some. Yeah, we got a couple. Uh, which was which was nice. Uh, always keen for more. Uh, oh, that was the Dolphin House one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> so I had a conversation at work with somebody who was like, they really do that. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet you'd watch that movie too, wouldn't you? I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I could watch anyway, that. Keep wrapping up, boy. Yeah. Anyway, join us on uh, at Cheeky Tales Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll find us there with that tag. Um, yeah, if you could share us with a friend, we would really appreciate that. Get some more people listening. Have somebody to talk to about the episode. I really love talking about podcasts that I listen to, and I think it's the best way to enjoy them is to- have a chat about them later. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you in a fortnight's time for my story. See you later. Goodbye, boy. Goodbye, boy. Goodbye, podcast. Not night, forever. night, podcast. <laughs> night, night, podcast. I'll be back. <laughs> Good night, everyone.